Welcome to the Elijah Rising podcast. Elijah Rising is an organization empowering women recovering from sexual exploitation. This episode is going to help you become more aware about the issue of sex trafficking and inspire you to take action. Hey, welcome to the podcast. I'm Adam, and today I am joined by Sydney Zyker. Sydney is manager of the Safe Community Program at Crime Stoppers of Houston, a nonprofit dedicated to public safety and committed to its mission to solve and prevent serious crime in the greater Houston area in partnership with <laughs> Citizens Media and the criminal justice system. In her role, Sydney uses prevention and awareness programs to educate community members, parents, elected officials, and victims of crime throughout the greater Houston area on how they can stay safe and thrive. And with that, welcome to the podcast, Sydney. Thanks for having me. It's great to be here. I'm so excited to have Sydney on the podcast for many reasons. One of the, one of the reasons is because she also has a very popular podcast. We do. Called? Called The Balanced Voice. The Balanced Voice, which she you produce. I'm the executive producer of our podcast called The Balanced Voice. And yeah. basically it came out of um, a need that we identified to have yeah. really honest conversations about hard topics. So yeah. we interview yeah. all kinds of cool people. Check yeah. us out. So, so we're definitely in competition with one another. No, no, um, no. No, no. <laughs> not, not at all whatsoever. <laughs> uh, we actually, I, I love the podcast. Uh, we were actually just chatting about it before we got started here. Um, today, on the Elijah Rising podcast, uh, we're going to talk about creating safe communities through awareness and education, uh, which is something that you know a lot about. But first, I want to talk about Crime Stoppers for just a little bit. And I had this revelation as I was prepping for the show. Um, so I'm from Houston. Uh -huh. I'm a Houston native, originally mm -hmm. from here. And so I've heard of Crime Stoppers like my literally my whole life. And so as I was thinking about prepping and like talking about crime stoppers, I was like, wait a second, is this just a Houston thing? Wait, tell me, is, is crime no, okay. Do you no. get this question a lot? Yeah, all the time. Okay, all, all the right, time. Right, so there are on. actually 1,700 crime stoppers organizations what? in 32 different countries. What? Um, yeah. So it's a very large um, name. However, each organization is run separately. So we're. Separate non nonprofit? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So kind of the idea of crime stoppers started in Albuquerque, New Mexico after a murder happen and okay. no one was speaking up and so no one was there was no information about the crime and so kind of this idea of an anonymous reporting system yeah. what was born and it created this phone number that everyone knows yeah. about now but within 24 hours of that anonymous tip line being established that that crime was solved what yeah so in 1980 we brought it here to Houston okay. um, and since then we've kind of exploded and grown and we're very unique crime stoppers organization because we're kind of the most robust out of all of them. Well, I we want to get to that. Okay. I, I, I want to yeah, get to that. I've, yeah. got, I've got a question for you first. Okay. Mm -hmm. So, so there's not like an, uh, well, it's international. I was going to say like a national organization that oversees all of them, but they're like, they're all separate entities. Right. In all these different so places? we're all our separate entities. There is a, like a crime stoppers USA, a okay. big oversight board, and you can kind of be a part of the crime stoppers USA group, you but can participate you can participate okay. and, um, there's, you know, different things that you can do to stay a part of the Crime Stoppers USA okay. kind of network, but we are our own nonprofit. Um, so funding streams, funding streams, independent. independent, just for us. Okay. Um, and then we have our tip line side and our nonprofit side, and we'll talk about that. Yeah. Wow. Mm -hmm. 
That is quite the education. I did not realize because I know people are shocked. Yeah, it is shocking. I mean, because you do such a good job. Well, I, well, I think Crime Stoppers is so um, integrated within and embedded within the community that it really is. I think a household name. Ah, uh, you're making my day. <laughs> oh come on! <laughs> I think it really is. I think it really is. I mean, I've uh, literally heard about Crime Stoppers my whole life, but I, I and it's it, it feels um, it's a familiar brand. Mm-hmm. I think is what I would mm-hmm. say, and so. But I think that probably has a lot to do with the fact that it's everywhere um, and and not just a Houston thing. You know, it's interesting that you say that because I'm not from Houston. I'm from Austin. And when I moved here, um, I had no idea what Crime Stoppers was. Okay, because there's not one in Austin. There is one, but it is not the same beast that Crime Uh, Stoppers is. I mean, our CEO, Ronya Mancarios, just really... Shout out, Ronya. Shout out. Um, And we have to give credit where credit's due. I mean, she created this machine. I mean, she's been said in many awards and in many um, media interviews that she created Crime Stoppers on steroids, and she did. Um, And it's really because she looked at our mission that you said, solve and prevent serious crime in partnership with Citizens Media and the criminal justice system, and she refined it. And she looked at how do we prevent crime in a new way. And so that's why I have a job. I mean, I'm on the prevention side, but a lot of crime stoppers organizations are solely a tip line, Um, solely an anonymous reporting system. Right. Ah. Right. Um, And so kind of our programming, both in schools and in the community, have been a model for other organizations. We've been asked by the governor to train other Crime Stoppers organizations to kind of do what we do. And all of that is because of Renya's vision. So. So maybe the reason why it's a household name in my mind is not because of. Crime Stoppers Global, mm-hmm. but because of Crime Stoppers Houston is what it is that that machine. So um, okay, so let's let's get let's dig a little yeah. bit deeper. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm really fascinated at this point. Um, so okay, let's talk about what Crime Stoppers does. Mm-hmm. I guess specifically Houston. What do you guys do? Um, and kind of, I think I, in that, I want you to kind of answer like how in what you do, how is that creating safe community? Right. Um, and, and you've already kind of touched on it. Like there is a tip line, right? There is so, a tip line. I, and I think that is definitely how you're known. Mm-hmm. So what does it look like? What are all the things that you're, you're doing? The easiest way to break it down is in our crime solving side and our crime preventing side. Okay. Um, our tip line is our anonymous reporting system. We're the only anonymous reporting system that is protected by law in the state of Texas. What do you mean by Meaning that? Meaning yeah. that... We cannot legally take your name, your phone number. We don't use gender identities of any kind. Okay. When you call us, you are only known in our system as a tipster and a number. That's it. That's it. That's it. Um, so if we were to be like subpoenaed for some reason, we don't have anything you, to give. You literally we, can't. We, we literally don't have anything to give. We don't have caller ID. And let me tell you, it's a doozy to get a phone number without yeah. a caller ID. <laughs> yeah. Like people yeah. will call us, even those of us who work on the nonprofit side, they'll call us and say, Hey, call me back at this number. And we're like, well, we don't have your number because we don't have caller ID. Yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot that goes into making sure that our tipsters stay completely anonymous and therefore completely safe from start to finish. The idea is you should be able to call and report something and not put yourself or your family in danger. And then you can be rewarded with up to $5,000 in cash. How do you get them the money if you don't know who they are, where they're at? (laughs) Isn't that the golden question? (laughs) So um, really what happens is when you call, you're given that number. Um, Let's just say your tipster number one, two, three, four in our system. Um, Then you're given a time to call back because we can't call you. We don't have a way to contact you. If you don't call us back, then you don't know if you get money. So you call back and you give, give us that code number and we tell you the status of your tip, either 
no, you're not getting money. It's still pending. Or yes, you're getting money. If it's that third option, then we give further instructions on where to go pick up your money. Okay. Essentially you go to a bank and you have to write three pieces of information down on a piece of paper. Um, we encourage people to go through the drive through and just put that piece of paper in those plastic tubes. I don't know what those tubes are called in there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So it goes up in, into the teller. The teller sees that it's a piece of paper and matches it with an envelope full of cash. Oh my gosh. Wow. That we like actually go and put an envelope of cash. Yeah. In like the, bank. the cash in the envelopes every month. Um, and it has the matching information and sends it back out to you. You drive away. Fascinating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. So that's our solving side. Um, and really the way that we used to look at our mission is a crime solved was a crime prevented. Okay. Um, and then in roughly 2013, we started revamping and, and thinking about, okay, but how can we prevent things from happening so that we don't have to get tips? Honestly, yeah, so in the dream world, the yeah, in the, in the dream world, our tip line wouldn't be needed. Yeah. There would be no more crime. I know sure. that that's not going to happen, but I mean, that's it's kind of the goal here. And so um, we started working on creating education for students. Um, we were already in schools with the tip line information for students, but we started looking at what are students going through. Yeah. Um, relational violence, um, mental health struggles, bullying, anything that a student ages pre-K through 12th grade is experiencing is what we started talking about. Then we introduced our community program. And, um, really when I took over the community program, um, was much smaller than it is now. And I was asked to make it really a household name and, and figure out First, what our community needs and then how to meet those needs. So on the community side of things, we work really hard to make sure that everyone understands crime trends, that they have a place to easily find them, Mm. and then to know how to keep themselves and their family safe. So we we have education for parents. We have education for community members who don't have kids. We do trainings for law enforcement officers. um, And then we work very closely with our victims. Um, We have a victim services program that's overseen by our director of victim services, Andy Kahn, who's Mm -hmm. kind of the first um, victim advocate in the nation, which is really, it's really cool to work with him. I'm not going to lie. And so we get to see what they're experiencing. And to me, that's been the most important thing um, is to learn from those victims and then sure. integrate them into our programming yeah. that I think that we're failing if we're not using their expertise and we're not giving them the opportunity to educate. So that's yeah. what's important to me. So um, that, that lived experience mm-hmm. is, is kind of a, is, is, a, is a educational tool for crime stoppers for you, the work that you're doing to refine, do better. Yeah, Absolutely. And so, and so with victim services, what are we talking about? Like support groups or? Yeah. So we host um, the parents of murdered children and surviving family members monthly meetings at our, okay. uh, at our building. It's the first or not the first, the second Tuesday of every month. Okay. Um, and so unfortunately parents who've lost children, sure. brothers, sisters, they come, they meet. It's, it's similar to a support group. Um, we help with a lot of the media inquiries that come for, from high profile cases, unfortunately, like if there's a big domestic violence case, human trafficking case, homicide case, media can be a bit relentless. And so, um, we help those victims walk through that. 
Um, oh, so you're you're helping them manage mm-hmm. the media that's trying to get them on camera mm-hmm. or interview them. You're mm-hmm. trying to help manage that mm-hmm. kind of wow, mm-hmm. interesting. That's fascinating. Andy Walton parole board hearings with victims. Okay, um, we have two big events that we do every year for victims. The first is the National Night of Remembrance. It's actually coming up in September where we come and we read off every homicide victim in our county for the year. Um, And then all of the family members who've lost loved ones to homicide come and they can show pictures of their loved one. They can tell their story, their name. Yeah, it's a really powerful event. I invite everyone. It's September 26th, I believe, this year. Um, And then we have our Remembrance Tree Ceremony, which is something that Andy established many, many years ago. And it's more of a celebration um, of the lives that people have lived, unfortunately, and lost. But we put big Christmas trees up. I think we'll need a new one this year. I think it'll be our fourth Christmas tree that we have. (laughs) And loved ones can come and hang their um, ornaments that have their, their lost family members' faces on them. And we just really celebrate their life. We That's amazing. Yeah. Um, so that's far more than a hotline. It is far more than a hotline. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So tell me a little bit, let's dig a little bit deeper into, in your role specifically, Mm -hmm. safe community program manager. Mm -hmm. Um, so tell me more about what you do. Um, and kind of like, what's a day in the life of Sydney look like? I know I I ask that question sometimes. What is a day in the life? Uh, There is no one type of day. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, I was, I started in our school program and what that meant for me was I would drive all around the city um, and even beyond the city um, and and talk to students and even parents and and school staff about all things safety. And in doing that, I really saw the the differences in the different communities and, you know, what one community needs that the other one has an excess of and, you know, all of that kind of thing. And it's kind of what grew my heart for this city. And I quickly realized I'm a community person. Yeah. I, before I started at Crime Stoppers, I was a social worker in an elementary school. And so I figured students were my thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I realized that, Hey, we can't really keep our students safe or I don't believe that we can until we teach communities how, how to be communities yeah. and, and how to care for each other on a daily basis. And yeah how to keep each other safe and not, not only how to keep your kids safe, but how to keep your neighbor's kids safe sure. and the kid on the other side of the city safe. Yeah. And so, you know, for me being asked to take over this program and to build it from a, a simpler program, maybe to a much more robust thing. I, I mean, it, it's meant a lot of things. It's meant really refining what topics we need. Okay. And so when I started, I spent a lot of time looking at numbers and tracking yeah. and creating a, a dashboard really for um, crime, like, crime so like stats. Which crimes are more prevalent? Yeah, and, yeah. yeah okay. like which crimes are more prevalent? What parts of our city are we not in yeah, and yeah. should we be in? Yeah. Um, and then who are the key leaders in those city or in those parts of our city that we can utilize? I think that it's really important for us to listen hmm. to people who are living in that neighborhood right. and to allow them stakeholders. Yeah. To, to, to be the leader there. And so I just started identifying those things. Yeah. Um, you know, and so now for me, what it looks like is continuing to make sure that we're listening to those, those communities and those leaders. I have a lot of meetings with 
pastors is, is someone who I, is yeah. a group that I've really identified as possible yeah. key leaders there. Um, and then creating the necessary, con- necessary content, necessary programming for them. Um, things like, you know, we hosted someone on our podcast, Dr. Laura Berman, who lost her, her son, Sammy to a, a fentanyl overdose. Yeah. And after that, I started getting tons of calls. Renya started getting tons of calls about, Hey, mm. this is happening mm. in our backyard. This is happening. You know, I lost a child to this. My friend lost a child to this. I didn't lose a child, but my child did overdose that kind of thing. And yeah. so then I take that and I start pulling, Hey, who do we know that yeah. can help us with this? And what resources do we have at our disposal and how do we create something to help? And so then I create whatever collateral curriculum is sure. necessary. And, um, I have, and, yeah. And you put it on the website. We I put mean, it on the website. Everything yeah. we do is free. Yeah. And yeah, I've so been, I've looked, I mean, I, I mean, I would encourage, you know, we'll give links and mm-hmm. stuff at the end or whatever, but, um, you know, in the anti-trafficking space, like I've been to the Crime Stoppers website, I've seen the resources, mm-hmm. I've, I've utilized those resources mm-hmm. myself, and I know that you have that for numerous other crimes as well. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean, in my mind, we have the best team in the world, and I can't do my job if my team's not as incredible as they are. Yeah. And so, I'm so thankful that each of us has kind of our our niche. Yeah. Um. And so, like you said, we cover in community 22 different topics. Oh wow. 22 different topics, and human trafficking does kind of trickle into a lot of the different things sure. that we do, but they overlap. And so, yeah. even like this this fentanyl thing that I'm talking about, we've seen that used as sometimes a grooming technique. And so, you know, for me, it's adapting to the needs of our community every day and in whatever way that looks like. I mean, it's different every day. Like it's amazing. I mean, Mm -hmm. it sounds like you're, you're, you're taking a a very uh, systematic approach Mm -hmm. to seeing like, what does our community need? Mm -hmm. And then I respect so much you going into those places and saying, okay, now who are the thought leaders in this mm-hmm. area and what do they say? Because mm-hmm. if I don't learn from them, I'm just some person walking in here thinking I know what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I respect the heck out of that. And so let's talk about trafficking mm-hmm. more specifically. So what does, or how does Crime Stoppers, and, and maybe it's you or the larger yeah. organization or, or you know whatever, um, how does Crime Stoppers address the issue of trafficking specifically? So we have multiple different things that we do. Let's start tip line because it's easier yeah, sure. to do solving than preventing. Sure. So on tip line, um, we look for wanted fugitives um, when it comes to human trafficking. Yeah. There's people out there who yeah. have trafficked individuals and we we know that they're on the loose. And so we yeah. will host press conferences where we say, hey, here are the top 10 most wanted fugitives for human trafficking. Yeah. Hey, public, you know something. We yeah. know you know something. Please help. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so, you know, last time we did that, we had multiple people either turn themselves in or be reported within no that day. Um, wow. so that's and, and, always and for those of you who are watching or listening, you should know like crime stoppers, press conferences are a thing. <laughs> like they're fun. Fun is not the right word. They're very, <laughs> they're very informative to watch. They're very professional. They're very well orchestrated and they always involve like either the mayor or the chief of police or whoever the necessary personnel yeah. is. They're all, they are great. I think they're really, important, powerful tool for all sorts of work in, in the Houston area. Sorry, I'm just, well, I, I we're, continue to gas you up. No, th- thank you very much. <laughs> but, welcome. you know, I think for us, we are lucky to have been here for 40 years. And, you know, public the, yeah. safety has all of a sudden 
the hot topic, yeah. but it wasn't sexy for a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and so, you know, we've been there for 40 years and we've been doing this for a long time and we're thankful to have partners who see yeah, that and yeah. who are willing to help us and see the value in, in what we're doing. Yeah. So, um, that's, you know, the tip line side of things. And then on the prevention side, we have education for, um, students of all ages where we go in and those presentations are, you know, usually 45 minute presentations yeah. where we go and we talk to students about, you know, what does grooming look like? What is a healthy relationship? What are red flags and what do you do? Yeah. Um, and then we also educate um, school staff about it. And I know our, our safe school team who is led by Jenna Fondren is really tackling this in, in a incredible way. They've mm. been really recognized by the state for the way that they convey information because it's just so relatable. Um, and so then, um, for parents, we talk about, Hey, this yeah. is what you should be looking out for. Really the best response that I get is when we talk about the intersection between the cyber world and the trafficking world, yeah, yeah. you know, just so many of our juvenile trafficking cases have an online component. Yeah, um, social media. Yeah. yeah. And so we have partnered with the survivors to really talk about what a social media pimp is, what that yeah. looks like. And we integrate that into our programming. Um, and so I, I think that it, it's so powerful when I'm giving a presentation to parents and I pull up a video of a survivor who's like, Hey, I'm from here. I yeah. lived this. Yeah. Um, and this is what it looks like. And so we do that. We do bus tours in partnership with you guys Dude, where we yeah. kind of drive everyone around the city and say, this is what it looks like. Yeah. Um, and then this past year we've worked on creating data. We created a study, um, not necessarily a study, but we did an analysis of the cases in Harris County, the human okay. trafficking related cases in Harris County. And we analyzed 549 cases from um, January 2018 to December 2020 and looked at what were the charges for these human trafficking related cases um, to kind of see what the landscape was. And our findings were devastating to me, if I'm yeah. being honest, yeah. we found that 67% of our human trafficking cases in Harris County, um, received less than five years, less than five years or a, a deferred, like, yeah, just right back out. Heartbreaking to me. Yeah. Um, you know, 90% of them didn't have to register as sex offenders, yeah. which yeah, it, it's just heartbreaking. So, you know, we try really hard to educate on how to prevent it, but also give you the data on what's happening here so that community members can get involved and yeah. they can go to our leaders and say, this is unacceptable. Yeah. This it's, is not okay. It's so critically important to have organizations that are doing that, that work that are doing the actual on the ground research and, and collecting that data and mm -hmm. looking at trends because we don't have enough of that. Like mm -hmm. I've done episodes on this podcast about the disparity of like the real tangible data on the ground. Cause it's hard. It's hard to collect that data. It's, it's uh, hard to find. It, we estimated it took us roughly 300 staff hours yeah. to pull that information and go. we shouldn't be the ones doing it. Yeah, exactly. Um, <laughs> but it, it has to be done because yeah. I mean, we found out of our 549 cases, 200 and we only had 217 offenders. Wow. So that means these people are repeating their offenses. Then we're asking survivors to come and testify or right. we're asking survivors to, you know, share their story and like it just re-victimizes them if it's the same people again in and out and again. again and again and again yeah. and so 
we think that it's really important to have this information. It's really important for the community to know about it. And for it to be everyone speaking up, we have to be a collective voice. That's yeah. my heart in everything. We have to be one unified community. So yeah. tomorrow, September first, and I know that Texas has been the first state to um, to attach a, a, a felony to mm-hmm. um, to sex buying, and I do wonder how that will impact that data and how if how and if we will see changes. Oh, I'm so ex- I'm such a numbers weirdo, <laughs> so I'm so excited to track that and see what happens. So it should be interesting. I mean, it, it'll be um, things are changing. Things are changing, and um, yeah, we're gonna take a break. Yep. Um, other, I, I do feel like we could just keep talking forever. <laughs> um, so we're gonna take a break in the podcast, and we come back on the other side. We're gonna keep talking about uh, the connection between trafficking and some of the other crimes uh, that are happening in our city, and uh, keep. Keep exploring what Crime Stoppers does. So uh, stick with us. We'll see you on the other side of the break. Take a second and think about how many subscription services you have. Netflix, Hulu, Spotify. If you're like me, you have more than you actually use. That money just disappears out of your bank account. Or maybe you don't even use the product anymore. So why not donate that same amount of money to Elijah Rising and know that every dollar you spend directly serves those who are overcoming sex trafficking. We invite you to join The Rise. The Rise is a dedicated community of recurring donors who give strategically to fund the work of ending sex trafficking. Join our community of more than 200 members who have decided to rise up. $10 a month can provide services for women seeking to exit exploitation. $40 a month can provide job training and employment for an overcomer of trafficking. Donate online via credit card, debit, ACH, or Apple and Google Pay at ElijahRising.org slash rise. Hey, welcome back. Sydney, from your expert vantage point, and you do have one. Ooh, I don't know about that. <laughs> um, and obviously, I think I know the basic answer to this question, but I want to hear your, I want to hear your voice. Um, is trafficking a problem in Houston, Texas? I, I mean, I think, of course. Yeah. I think that trafficking is a problem all over. Um, but, but I do think that there's some unique things going on in Houston, um, that make trafficking a problem. However, however, I do think that Houston does an incredible job Mm. of uniting and the people in this space are working so hard to combat this. I think that we value survivors in a way that I have not seen. Like I said, I'm not from here. Um, and so, you know, to come here and, and to see survivors at the front of everything, mm. to watch my dear friend be the one who's called on. Mm. Ooh, I'll cry. Ooh, I can't. <laughs> That's Ooh, okay. Cry. That's okay. We cry um, on this podcast. To, to, to be the one who's called on by representatives, <laughs> yeah. to, to be the face and the voice of bills. I mean, I mean, it's, it's unlike anything else. And so I think that while it is a problem and while we have to keep fighting and we have to hold each other up when we're tired, I think that we're doing that in Houston. I do think that things are changing. One of the things we like to say around here, and I, uh, this is totally stolen from Sam, uh, our our former um, social enterprise director. One of the things she would love to say in presentations like, yeah, Houston may be the number one city in the nation Mm -hmm. for trafficking. I don't know. Maybe it is, maybe it's not depending on the statistics this year, but I can tell you this, Houston is the number one city 
in the nation for solutions to trafficking. And yeah. I do think there is something very unique happening in this city mm -hmm. in terms of just collaboration mm -hmm. and, and information sharing mm -hmm. and centering survivor voices. Uh, I totally wholeheartedly agree with, yeah. with that assessment. Uh, absolutely. And, and you know, the fact that we have so many organizations who are willing to say like, hey, this isn't our specific corner of, sure. of anti-trafficking work, but it's yours. So like here, you're going to be the best one. I mean, um, I look at some of our closest partners, you guys demand disruption, like yeah. for them to call us and us to call you and say, yeah. Hey, I have this. Can you take care of that? And I'll yeah. take care of this. I mean, we're going to, we're going to change the face of this city. We are changing the face of this city. I think we are changing the mm -hmm. face of the city. Let's talk about, um, Okay, so so Crime Stoppers, you guys focus on all sorts of things, mm -hmm. all sorts of criminal activities, um, and working with vulnerable populations and mm -hmm. communities. You, mm -hmm. I mean, you yourself are actually in these communities. So I wonder, what are some of the contributing factors, those intersectional issues that overlap with trafficking, or that that are like contributing, that are making trafficking such a problem in the city, mm -hmm. um, that are fueling it? You know, one of the things we one of the ways we define sex trafficking here to kind of help people understand is like it's the, it's an exploitation of vulnerability. Right. And so what, what do you think? What are some of those other crimes that are kind of fueling it? And how's that work in here? Uh, you know, I think that crimes kind of, it's like a web. It's mm. like, you know, one thing affects the next and you can't just fix one crime, which is why I love what I do because yeah. I feel like, okay, in working on um, human trafficking, well, we're also helping educate on what is a healthy relationship. You know, yeah. Domestic Violence Awareness Month is coming up. And while they're very different, oftentimes we see domestic violence within trafficking relationships. Yeah. And, um, you know, one of the biggest things that I think is a huge contributing factor is, is our bond issue, if I'm being completely yeah, honest yeah, here. Um, yeah. So, you know, we're seeing a huge problem with repeat offenders yeah. and we started tracking it as homicide. Um, and so we looked at, you know, when homicide would occur, who is this, who is the offender yeah. and, um, how many felony bonds that they have. And we're looking at felony. Yeah, sure. Everyone in my organization <laughs> agrees yeah. that misdemeanor bond reform was needed, but, right, sure. but, but felony bond reform, I mean, we, should we be letting someone out who's murdered, others or had yeah. high, high trafficking offenses or right. domestic violence offenses, um, back into the community. And, and we've started seeing that. So, you know, the amount of people that we've seen who have aggravated assault, yeah. um, trafficking related charges, that kind of thing come out, um, and then go on to, to murder somebody sure. is too much. And yeah. so I think that that's something that really is an issue right now. We've yeah. got to get that figured out. The other thing is that we don't have enough data. We don't have enough information about what's going on. We don't have enough Absolutely. transparency in our city about where the crimes are, what the charges are. And so it's hard to even know where the intersection is if yep. we don't have the data. So true. We have to have the data. I know yeah. I'm like just data girl over here today, the but it's the reason that we even started doing that, that trafficking um, report that I was talking yeah. about earlier is because we were like, okay, well, we're tracking homicide cases, but we're fairly certain this is affecting other crimes that we deal right. with every day. And so when we dug just a little bit into trafficking, we were like, oh no, this is a lot. Mm. Um, so, so that of course, I also think that 
<laughs> cyber crimes, unfortunately, is a huge intersection. Yeah. I mean, in during the pandemic, we saw the online solicitation of minors oh, rise 93%. Yeah, skyrocket is crazy. 93%. Yeah. And, you know, it's just too easy for yeah. someone who's grooming a child online to just go yeah be no no consequences nothing and so that's something that we really work to educate on we yeah. work to educate parents on exactly what to look for exactly what to do because yeah. i mean we can tell someone the world's on fire but if we don't give them a fire extinguisher yeah. like what's the point what's it what good is it yeah, yeah. yeah. so yeah so you're educating the public. You're out there talking to people. Mm-hmm. You're out there developing relationships, helping people understand what they can do, how to how to prevent. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and I think you know you've kind of described it like it's often individuals who are uh, decision makers, thought leaders, uh, influential individuals, mm-hmm. politicians. You know, people with actual power, um, mm-hmm. sit in seats of power. Um, and you're doing that kind of on a on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. So, what is that experience like? How, how, like, are they receptive? Um, and without putting anybody on blast, of course, but like, is there receptivity from I, these individuals? Yeah, I absolutely think so. I think that we have some of the best leaders. Um, of course, politics are politics, sure. but I think that we are really lucky to have a mayor who cares. Yeah. Um, really, really lucky to have a mayor who cares. Yeah. Really lucky to have a DA who honestly was willing to look at what she, what her, what platform she ran on and say, Ooh, maybe that wasn't working. Let me adjust. And she's been one of our biggest advocates in our, our bond fight. Um, and so, you know, I personally think that in order for things to change in a city, you have to have leaders who are, who are willing to be in the trenches with you. And as you said about our press conferences, I mean, our leaders are in the trenches. Our chief is, Oh my gosh. Incredible. Yeah. Like yeah. we are so lucky to have our chief. I, I just a note on that. So like there've been, um, obviously I'm in a lot of like anti-trafficking, you know, collaborative spaces mm-hmm. and there've been some events recently in partnership with uh, UAHT mm-hmm. and 1211 and like some close partners. Mm-hmm. And there've been two events recently. And at both events, either the mayor was there, mm-hmm. like there shaking hands there, showing his support, sitting there, taking in the information and the most recent one, which was a couple of weeks ago, the chief with chief of chief police Finner. was there. Chief Troy Finner was there on the front row, meeting with the people talking, answering questions, just I mean, like ad hoc answering questions about stuff. I, I honestly like chief Finner is the biggest blessing to our city. Mm-hmm. I mean, for him to walk every time I see that man, he walks up to me and says, <laughs> thank you so much for everything you're doing. And I'm like me, like, yeah, what yeah, about yeah. you? Yeah. But I mean, the way that he leads a city, the way that he says, this is what we're going to do. And this is what we're not going to do. Yeah. Um, is just beautiful. And it's something that I think is a model for the rest of the country. And yeah. so, um, I personally love it. I think that it is, I mean, there was a phase in my time when I first took over the community program of kind of having imposter syndrome of being like, Oh, I'm in these meetings and like, what am I doing here? But then I really realized that my role is to elevate the voices of survivors Mm. and victims. And so for me to be the person who always says, wait, 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 what did the survivor say? What did the victim say? Are we listening to them? Critically important. Yeah. And I think that that is, um, a huge blessing to have our mayor, have our chief, have our DA say, 
yeah, we need to listen to them. We need to, yeah. we need to do better. There needs to be change. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is. Again, we kind of go back to that conversation about Houston's unique positioning and all this. It is, it is a, it wasn't always like this though, folks. I mean, it has taken a decade. I mean, it has taken years for mm-hmm. us to get to this point. And I, and I agree. I feel like there's a ton of participation and buy-in. Um, I wonder though, uh, you, you have spoken uh, very highly mm-hmm. and very positively, and you're very good at that. <laughs> what I want to know next, though, is like, where's the pain point? Like, what is the most challenging aspect of what you do? Um, what's mm-hmm. what's hard? Where's the resistance? Mm-hmm. Um, it's exhausting. Mm. It's exhausting. Um, I love what I do. Sure. I mean, I was just on vacation, and my husband said. You're the only person who's halfway through your vacation saying, I can't wait to go back to my job. <laughs> like you were the only person who does that, but that's just cause he was making you walk a lot. Uh, mm, this is true. <laughs> but I mean, I love what I do, but it is so draining all at one time. Sure. I mean, it is not normal to deal with parents who have yeah. had their child shot and killed yeah. regularly. It is not normal to have survivors call you at 11, 12, one in the morning sobbing because of something that happened in their court case. Like that is not normal. It is not a job. It's a lifestyle. And so I think that that is the hardest part of like carrying that burden, but then also being able to like in a healthy way, (laughs) cope with it and figuring out how to kind of put that aside sometimes and be like, it's okay to sit on the couch and just watch a TV show occasionally actually, or watch your, um, YouTube videos with yeah, Sam. That's true. Not that I do that ever. I do. I do have another uh, YouTube. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> moving on. Uh. Anyway. <laughs> so yeah. yeah, I mean, I think that it's just learning to cope with things that everyday people don't deal with. It's yeah, not man. normal. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I mean, we can relate. Mm-hmm. I can relate. I mean, it is it is tough to constantly expose yourself to like the most heinous, most difficult stories. And you get like sometimes like a compassion fatigue yeah. or like, or like even like a desensitization to it. And then like for me personally, like it's like sometimes that's a healthy thing so that I can keep moving. Right. It's like a coping mechanism sometimes. Yeah. But, but sometimes I have to check that and be like, wait, 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 what I do, this work is, this is about real human beings. Mm-hmm individual human beings, not like a group of people. Right. It's about individual human lives that are experiencing individual unique suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's a place of privilege for us. Absolutely. To represent their voices. Absolutely. And you know, I think that's what, what fuels me to keep going, Yeah, yeah. but it is always, um, you know, a slap in the face sometimes when I'm talking to someone new and they're like, what do you do? And I tell them and my husband's like, you can't just like come out with that. Like <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's not normal. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, I mean, it, huge privilege. I, I'm thankful every day for yeah. my job, but it is heavy and yeah. it is the kind of job where your head hits the pillow at night and you're done. Yes. You're out because yeah. you're just exhausted. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I'm going to read something that's on my phone. So I've never, I've never pulled my phone out in the middle of filming before. But um, I want to. My final question for you is um, because Sydney and I are friends on social media. There's you have this statement on your Instagram, hmm. 
And uh, Sydney says this, I believe that true community is built not guaranteed. Sorry, let me start over. (laughs) I believe that true community is built, not guaranteed. Mm -hmm. And we must all work together to create safe, happy, and healthy lives for all. So my, my last question for you is, that's great. Is it possible? Like where's... Can we, in fact, build that safe and healthy community for all? Oh, you're asking me the hard ones today. Um, I think that it is possible. I think it's really hard. I think that there is no quick fix. There's just not. Yeah, it's well said. Um, And I think that that is something, especially in our society, that we just desire. We want it to happen instantaneously. I mean, yeah. you're reading that from my Instagram. Everything about Instagram is is instant. Sure, right. Um, but it's not that. It yeah. is the everyday engagement with your neighbor that you yeah. don't like. It is your everyday engagement when you're exhausted. Yeah. It's walking outside of your garage, outside of your door and saying, hey, I'm here. Yeah. And I'm going to listen. It is being uncomfortable and going to a city council meeting or a commissioner's court meeting and saying, Hey, Hey, my community needs you. Yeah. Hey, no, we're not just a number. We're real people and we're being murdered every day. And so is it possible? Absolutely. hundred percent. I believe that, but it's going to take a long time and it's going to take every single person. It's not just me and my job that I do and I get paid for. It's, it's you and your job at your work, at your community event, at your church. Yeah. So, well that you, yeah, I mean, I actually did have one last question. (laughs) My follow up question was like, what can they do? What can these listeners do to, to help? Cause it is, if we're building it for all of us, Mm -hmm. we all have to participate in it in some way. And so what do you think? Like, what are those ways that we can, that, uh, you know, whoever it is that's watching this right now or listening to us in their cars or driving to, on their way to work this morning or whatever, mm-hmm. what are some ways that they can help build that community? I think that it is challenging yourself to be kind mm-hmm. and, and graceful when you don't want to. I think mm-hmm. that's the first step. I think you have to understand that you're different than every other single person, even the people that you think are the same as you, you're not. Yeah. And so you have to be kind and gracious there. And then I think you have to educate yourself on, on what is going on. I mean, even so many of my friends that, you know, this is what I talk about day in and day out. Yeah. They're still shocked when I give them just a nugget. Yeah. Um, I, I think that it's important to learn about what does crime look like in our city? What is pressing what's going on who's most vulnerable how are you vulnerable yeah um and learn how to protect yourself but then also collect your friends and teach them um we have a lot of programs where we do that and we say hey come come to our building we'll teach you how to have conversations with your friends um it's really important for me and my team to give you resources to engage with your community. And so we do that. A lot of our stuff is like, here's some things that you could ask. Here's some talking points that you could bring up. Um, and I think that it's really changing our mindset little by little Mm -hmm. on the fact that we have to all be a part of this. Yeah. Yeah. 
education is so important and mm-hmm. and I know for a fact because I've done it and I've already mentioned it but like your website it's tons of resources there are tons of great organizations out there that are intersecting all of these crime issues mm-hmm. and um, they've got great resources and so I just I want to I want to thank you for your time I want to thank you for your voice and I want to thank you for your work um, especially want to thank you I know how busy you are and so for you to come <laughs> into our space and like hang out with us for a little bit of time uh, is an honor and and I really do appreciate it um, I just wonder is there like anything else that you want to say any kind of final thought that you want to get anything you you know I I, you felt like I should have asked or didn't cover cover it yet. I just think that volunteer somewhere. Okay, just go see. I, yeah. I don't care who, if it's with me. I don't care if it's with you. Yeah. I think that that's the first step in kind of opening your eyes that's to things. Great. Volunteer somewhere with any of these incredible organizations that we have in our city. I mean, to live in a city that has this many nonprofits. Yeah, I it's mean, crazy. You're kind of. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> go volunteer somewhere. Um, and I also think that it's important for you to ask hard questions of people. Mm-hmm. Ask what's going on in, in your community that's different yep. than my community. Yep. Um, I think we have to be better yeah. at talking to each other and listening to each other. Yeah. I think that's a skill that we've a bit lost is, yeah. is listening. So ask the question and then be quiet. Yeah. Yeah. So that's the best advice. Mm-hmm. Ask, ask a hard question and then be quiet. Mm-hmm. Um, how can people find you? How can they support you? Um, how can they find crime stoppers? Drop all the links, do yeah, all yeah, the plugs. Yeah. Um, so you can go to our website, crime-stoppers.org. We have a great resource center, um, that has information on all of the topics that we talk about. Um, you can follow our podcast, which is about to start back up. We're Wednesdays at 10 AM. Um, and we're at the balance voice podcast.com. And then everything on all socials is at Crime Stoppers of Houston. I think Twitter is the only one that's weird. It's at Crime Stop H-O-U, I think. Okay. Um, and then you can follow me. I'm at Sydney Zyker, but that's really hard and confusing. So just <laughs> find me on Crime Stoppers Instagram um, and come to one of our events. We have events yeah. pretty much every week. So <laughs> come yeah. watch a virtual seminar. Come to an in-person seminar. Yeah. Come to a bus tour with us. Yeah, yeah, they're coming up. Mm-hmm. We're work, working on planning those out right now. Coming so, up. Yeah. Yep. Thank Sydney, you so much for having me. No, thank you for joining us. It's a, it's a good crossover event, I think. And so um, really, really appreciate your work. Um, for those of you who don't know, I mean, Sydney is, I mean, we're kind of in the same space pretty frequently. And um, they really are, I mean, People don't know y'all as an anti-trafficking organization mm-hmm. per se, but you really are. I mean, you're always in the same spaces and you're always, I know for a fact, firsthand, you guys are doing the work and you're doing good work. Um, and so it was an honor to have you. Thanks so much for being here today. I loved it. It was a really great conversation. Thanks awesome. for having me. Thanks. Thank you for joining us today for this episode. If you were inspired by this content today, please share, rate, and leave a review. Also, please consider making a donation at elijahrising.org slash donate. Your support helps us continue the vital mission to combat sex trafficking. Until next time.